You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we are answering your questions. So I have been collecting up your questions all over again, and as usual, I've got some answers for you. So my first one comes from Jessica, and she writes, uh, Hello, I've been wondering how you train your puppy to leave your cats alone. We have a two-month-old healer border collie mix, and she's very smart but really, really loves her three 10-year-old cats. Please help. Um, in another email, she actually mentions that she was working on the Leave It Q because she had heard some earlier episodes. Okay, so here's the issue. Um, border Collies. Now, I don't know exactly what the behavior looks like, but I'm going to guess, especially since you have more than one cat, there's a couple of things at play here. So the prey drive is definitely um, adding to your issue. And part of that is a little bit hardwired in um, healers more than border collies. Border collies are used to controlling a herd. Um, healers will control an animal, like in a different way. Um, they they'll retrieve a dead animal for you. I've seen they're not retrievers, but they'll do this this sort of stuff. Um, so they tend to have a little bit stronger prey drive. They'll go after like small vermin and things like that. Um, so it could be a prey drive that's kind of working against you and why the leave it cute in and of itself isn't necessarily... I don't know if you're seeing any improvement, but it may not really get you over the hill. Um, the other thing that's going on here is you've got two dogs with the need to control what they consider to be a weaker animal. So now, generally, I would tell an owner, you can't fight nature. And because you can't, you can work with it, you can manage it, but you can't change what they're instinctually programmed to do. So can you make this a livable situation with your cats? Yeah, probably. But is it going to mean that your cats are going to have to have accessible spaces that your dog can't get to? Probably also. Yes. Um, I had a client who it wasn't a border collie mix. It was a healer mix. And same thing, multiple cats, the dog would drive it. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's this severe at your home, but the dog would drive itself nuts going between one cat and the other cat and the other cat and the other cat. They have three or four um, and would just kind of run, run itself ragged, not really accomplishing much, but it was actually attempting to herd them into one spot. And because cats are independent, that was never going to happen. Like never were all four cats going to be in the same place at the same time. So what I recommended to her was two things. First of all, depending on the age of the dog, you may have to be the primary source of entertainment because if your dog is bored, they're going to go after the cats. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I would start, you heard me mention, you know, create a safe space where the cats can get and the dog can't. That's important. Your cats being older, um, they've kind of lived a life without your dog, without the drama, and we don't want to stress them out. So it would be who of you to make sure that they can still continue to do that because you don't want to shave years off their life from stress. Um, that said, I would start working on teaching the dog on leash self-control. Now, even if he's better on leash from the get-go, 
I still want you to do this because it's about getting him to connect with you and disconnect from the cats. And I would work on not just leave it, but, you know, unleash. I would start working on stay. Stay from, I mean, I would really be shooting for all the way across the room where you can leave the dog, walk around, sit down, stand back up, and go back to the dog without the dog moving. That is quite a feat for the mix of breeds that you have because Border Collies are really, while they're very obedient and very, very intelligent, they're problem solvers, and given enough time, they're going to get bored with your plan. So make sure you have one. Uh, so I would work on a, on a really solid downstay because there's a few things that are going on. You know, your dog is bigger than the cats, so the prey drive could be at play. If you get him into a downstay, his ability to treat them like prey and, you know, run after them, bolt after them. Well, you can't stay in a laying position and run after the cat. And... Just breaking that behavior up quite a bit instead of just telling him to leave it all the time may deter him. And then you're going to have to start doing some form of intervention. You have to be mom. So when he's being naughty sauce and not listening, then it's time to either bring him to the crate or a space that you've created that's quiet, boring, nothing for him to do. Okay. Now, different from a child... Where when you send a child to their room, they're like thinking about what they're doing or supposedly that's the goal. Um, with your dog, you're ending a behavior and you're telling them, uh-uh, that's not what I asked. You, I only give one opportunity. And if a dog doesn't do what I'm asking, once I know they have an understanding of the behavior, like you've already taught him leave it so he knows it, you've already taught him a solid downstay, he knows it, and he's just not doing it, then it's uh-uh, and then off to the crate or off to the quiet space that's boring where, you know, all you can basically do is like lay down and chill. And then when we're done with, you know, that decompression time, he isn't reflecting on what he did wrong. What he did was learn that when he did that, he ended up not doing anything. That's what happened. Now, really the break in time is to help him his body reset kind of, you know, they're very, their bodies are traditional in, in, in their mannerisms. Unless the a dog is sick, the way they act as a puppy is how they'll act as an adult without training. It's very interesting. So, you know, when you think about how you need to communicate what you want, if you want the dog not to be chasing the cats, start creating the behavior, whether he likes it or not. I, that's why I recommend the uh, the leash for that because I don't think it's going to be his first instinct to stay still. I think he's going to want to dart as soon as he sees a cat walk across the room or head over to get fed. Um, the other thing you can do is start working on a self-control exercise. Make sure he is sitting and waiting for his food before you let him have it. Don't leave it down all day um, and make sure that meal times are separate from cats because... Let's just make sure that those two are not at the same time. You don't want the cat checking out the dog's food for whatever reason and getting too close for comfort. I'm not saying that your dog is aggressing. I am saying that given enough time and the wrong response from a cat, you, know, you never know if they might get into a little bit of a scuffle. So, um, But right now it sounds like mostly chasing. And for chasing, I just teach a behavior that's not compatible. You know, if I, I have a dog that's jumping, I teach him like a, a solid sit stay. If I have a dog that's darting, I do a down stay till the dog just hates me for it almost. I mean, I don't, it's not that I want them to hate me. It's that I just want you to know that this is the only thing you're doing. 
And, you know, I, I temper it. You know, when I'm teaching a dog a solid downstay and I know that they've gotten it, I stop. You, you don't you don't beat a dead horse. But in the infancy of every behavior, you take little steps, you work the problem like 10-minute segments, 15-minute segments over and over. And then once the dog gets the understanding, now it's your time to turn on, you know, the heat a little bit. Now it's like, okay, I've asked you to do this. You have now decided not to do this. That's fine. You made a decision. But the reality is, is that because you made that decision, now you can't be out with us doing what you're wanting to do. I always appeal to the greed. And their greed usually lies in food and in you because those are their their strongest uh, motivators. You know, sexual motivation is is minor on their scale to the, to a domesticated dog. You know, when they're intact, it's higher on the scale, uh, meaning they haven't been spayed or neutered. But, you know, I just, I don't think any of, the, I, I don't think there are any other factors here. I think it's that the prey drive's kicking in. It's fun to chase the cats. So, you know, if you start working on being more entertaining for the dog, playing with him a bit more when... And then, you know, teaching him things that say, not only is this a boundary, and if you do it, you're going to be off on your own not doing anything, but, you know, the alternative is actually just laying down and, and chilling out. So you're teaching... It's, it's a full picture now. You've got an incompatible behavior... So that you're promoting a, a change. At some point, the dog will go, oh, it's just better if I just lay down because I don't want to go and be by myself. Uh, then you're teaching, okay, if you really do want to cross that line, that's fine to make that decision. But this is the boring space you're going to be chilling in for 10 or 15 minutes. And then we're going to go right back to what we were doing before. So you still have to do it. Um and then you're, you know, you're, you're breaking patterns. You're starting to set a new precedent. When a dog actually starts to soften and is doing a, a solid downstay, it won't matter who's in the room or what's going on. But that takes quite a bit of work. That's about a month's worth of work, of working at it on a regular basis. And I don't try and cross a room on a stay very quickly. Now, the, you have two very intelligent breeds mixed in there. So I don't think it's going to take you a month to set, send this dog into a solid downstay. I think a week, a week and a half, if you really work at it, because they, uh, they, they want to learn. They want, they even want to please you. They've got independent minds, but they really, really like pleasing their owners and they very closely work with their owners. So keep all of that in mind. Those are some extra tips to maybe round out what you might be doing at home. Please send us an update and you can do so at you at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can also join our group, Dog Guru Hounds. You can find out on Facebook. People share pictures, stories, um, answer questions. You know, I answer your questions there. Um, and then who knows, you might be selected for a question to be answered on, on air. Okay, next question. Okay, our next question comes from another Victoria, and she writes, Hey, Victoria, it's a little weird saying that. I heard your episode talking about getting a puppy for Christmas, and that's exactly what my family and I intend to do. However, I'm not comfortable with selecting a puppy on Christmas for Christmas because I need some of your advice. After listening to your episode, I know how important it is that we have family involvement. I finally got everybody on board and we are ready to take this dog on. I've looked at lots of breeds and because of my son's allergies, I'm considering a poodle. Are there any drawbacks to this breed and do you think this would be a suitable fit for a family dog? Merry Christmas, Victoria. 
Okay. Well, now that I've stepped out of the twilight zone for a second, um, I'm really glad that you wrote into the show. So the first thing that comes to mind is a standard poodle. It's kind of got the size that is a little bit more sturdy, less breakable. I don't know how old your son is, but if he's kind of a rough and tumble kind of kid, you're going to need to closely watch him despite, you know, it turning into a larger dog. Um, because kids kids can be rough with puppies not intentionally just you know puppies are small it's easy to break bones it's easy to disconnect things or dislocate things um so just make sure that you're teaching your son if he hasn't been around dogs or isn't around dogs a lot um how to handle the dog start building a routine really early also um, i recommend doing this with your son because it just teaches really a really good set of skills for kids to have um my son helps me feed my dogs every morning and he helps me let them out he closes the doors behind us he he's learned a level of responsibility even though he didn't do all the training he's involved and he likes to be involved so i would highly recommend that, that you get him involved and if you're i recommend also that you get the dog into probably a group class to start off so that your son feels comfortable and can be involved as well um you know you could like i've said a million times PetSmart has group classes and it's a great starting point especially if you haven't run into issues yet which with a puppy you shouldn't have you know the earlier you start the better that said, um, so I think a standard poodle is going to be a really good fit for you. I would go with a breeder where you can meet both parents on site um, and speak to previous owners. Um, see what they have to see, say about the dogs. Make sure that they're in good health. Do your homework. Um, I think that this is the number one problem that people run into is that they'll pick a breed if they've done the research and they'll fall in love with that breed. And that's that's great. You're doing more than a lot of people even do. Um, but at the same time, if you don't do equal research on your breeder, you could end up with a dog that ends up giving you quite a bit of heartache. Even in the best of circumstances, when you have the support of the breeder, it doesn't always work out. So that's number one. Uh, make sure there's a health guarantee and that you have spoken to previous owners so that you have something to go off of. You need to be able to verify that this person is producing dogs that are healthy and emotionally sound because um, poodles are an older breed. And so we've had a lot of time to breed them. And the problem... The problem with that is when done correctly, you can find a phenomenal dog. When done poorly to essentially fill an order and get puppies sold for Christmas, you can end up with a neurotic health mess. And I've seen more often the latter than the better case scenario. And, and I don't want to see that happen to you. So make sure if that you go with this breed, regardless if you go with a toy or a standard or a royal, uh, which is a larger size than a standard, whatever you decided to go with, you need to make sure that the breeder, you know, has a good vet and they've got the puppies on a good diet. You know, you may be ready to get a dog, but you may not have found the place to get the dog from yet. Um, so, so just start doing the research on a, a good breeder right now. If you're not somebody who wants to go to a breeder, there are breed rescues and poodle breed rescues at that. So you can Google and find your local poodle rescue. The process is a little longer. Um, it's not an instant gratification kind of process. However, you will be saving a life and giving them a home. Um, and you'll know more about the dog in most cases too, because a lot of those dogs are fostered. So sometimes they're already house trained. Um, sometimes they 
have already been vetted, neutered, spayed, all those sorts of things. So it depends on what stage in life you want this dog to, to be in. If you want to start with a puppy, you can go with a breeder, but just make sure you, you fully invest yourself on re- doing your research on a breeder. So Merry Christmas to you, Victoria, and your family. I hope and wish you guys the absolute best holiday season and luck with your new puppy. Okay, and really quickly before we get into our next question, I just wanted to congratulate uh, a fellow network member, Varmints. Paul and Donna are amazing, and they're so entertaining. If you haven't checked out their show, you have to do it. It's on blazingcariboustudios.com or any podcast app. It's called Varmints, so you have to check it out. Um, But they just got an award, and I'm so proud of them. So really, really happy that they're getting the recognition that they deserve. Maybe one of us, all of us, can reach their level at some point in the meantime. Congratulations, guys. Super excited for you. Okay, our next question comes from... Let me scroll down here. This one comes from Jeff in Maryland, and he writes, I'm getting my wife a puppy for Christmas, but I'm not even sure what I need to have at the house for it to come home. Please tell me what supplies are absolutely important besides a dog bowl and leash. I'm lost. (laughs) Okay, so Jeff, let's have a little talk really quick. Um, I am really proud of you for being an animal lover, but a couple of things I have to sit down with you before you go ahead and and grab this dog. Um, (laughs) you want to make sure that she wants the puppy because there might be a reason she hasn't asked you for one up to this point, unless she has, and that's different. Um, but you know, I don't ever recommend surprising somebody with a dog ever in any, actually any animal. There's a few reasons for this, um, but the first is connection. You know, it's it's a nice, shiny, fun thing for, like, the first couple weeks until it's raining and freezing outside and she still has to walk the dog in her heels, and she's just not about that. It, there may be a reason she hasn't gotten the dog herself, like I said. So that's the first thing to consider. So let's assume that she's actually hinted that she wants a puppy, okay? Now, prepping for a puppy is, like... It's not like prepping for a kid, but you definitely want to make sure you have more than just the stuff to keep this dog. Do you have the time? Do you have the lifestyle? Do you have the space? Um, Have you talked specifically about what kind of breed or mix of breeds she's interested in? I say all of that because when you go and pick a puppy, your version of a dog and her version of a dog could be so different. And if she's not picking this puppy with you, it could be disastrous. The other thing is, you know, um, during the holiday season, and I need to point this out um, to anybody that's considering getting a dog, if you haven't done your research on a breeder and you've never been to the property or you don't know enough about where you're getting the dog from or enough about the parents, here are some of the drawbacks. Um, Overbreeding over the holiday season to produce puppies is commonplace. It's a normal, traditional process, and unfortunately, it really causes problems down the road you'll see neurotic behaviors obsessive barking unhealthy dogs genetically unhealthy dogs that just had no business being bred in the first place producing puppies that have no real chance now these are things that you need to caution yourself with because if you haven't done your research your dog that you're taking home will look just as cute or could look just as cute but could overall end up being you know not only uh, an emotional burden to your family, but it could be a financial nightmare. So you need to do your homework. The other thing I'm going to recommend, um, 
is to have this conversation before you get the dog if you haven't already. Because the fact that you don't have the dog in the house yet, I don't know. Something about my radar is going off right now as a woman. Like, I just know whether I have a boyfriend or not, if I wanted a dog, I'd have one. So if she doesn't, that just makes me wonder if this is something that she wants right now. Um, so maybe have that conversation before you go any further. And then if she says, yeah, yeah, I really would love a a puppy, then start talking about lifestyle because you don't want a German shepherd in an apartment. It's not going to work. It's a nice dog. It's not going to be ideal for the dog. So be realistic and listen to what her needs are. Um, because if you really truly are getting the dog for, for her, she needs to be involved in this process. And you might be surprised to learn that there isn't really space in her life right now for a puppy she may not be excited about having another dog i mean if she just started a new job or it's the holidays and she knows she's going to be traveling things like that i mean i can tell you right now boarding a dog when you're going away from the holidays could cost more than your trip so you know just just think this through a little bit make sure that you're not surprising her with a dog and i would caution anybody the same way now Let's assume she's on board, you have this conversation, and she's like, yes, 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 I want this dog. You found a breed, you found a great breeder or a rescue, and you found, like, the dog, okay? First things first, you need to sign the dog out for puppy classes and schedule, um, actually, you need to do it in reverse. So you're going to need to schedule the vet visit to make sure that within the first 48 hours, this dog has been looked at by a veterinarian. Why is this important? Because if there are any genetic issues or any outstanding issues, you need to know about them early so that the the dog can, first of all, get immediate care, and also so that your breeder or wherever you got the dog from can do whatever necessary treatment to the other remaining puppies, and they have an awareness that there could be a problem. So all of those things need to be transparent, crystal clear. Um, now, if you're sitting there going, well, I don't want to take the dog to the vet within the first 24 or 48 hours, well, you probably don't want a puppy then <laughs> because you're going to be going to the vet a lot. Um, in fact, you know, the ASPCA put out a article the other this year and it, it said that it costs about $1,560 to get a dog vetted in the first year. Um, so keep that in mind. In addition to that, you're going to need food, dog bowls. Obviously, you already have the leash it sounded like. Um, a dog bed is good. A crate is very, very important. And it needs, if your dog is going to grow into a bigger size, you need to make sure it's a trans- transitional crate. So one with a divider that can be moved as the dog continues to grow. Uh, that's important. A crate pad or a crate liner is nice, but sometimes you're just going to have to suffice with a towel because depending on the dog and how destructive they are, they may try and chew on the bed and you don't want them ingesting that when you're gone. As far as toys go, I always, always, always make sure that I have a, uh, selection of soup bones. You've probably heard me talk about them on the show before. You can get them at your local butcher counter. And, um, so you'll need soup bones, for him to chew on and then you'll also need a a kong toy which looks like a rubber beehive and you can stuff that freeze um peanut butter cheese in it and it's it's great for them to get out some of their anxiety um just daily jaw aggression without doing it on your furniture it can really help with puppies and then make sure you're giving the dog ample exercise you're going to be taking lots of trips outside because no matter what breed you have in the beginning their bladders are small 
which means you have to make sure that you can't expect a dog that's really, really small or really young to be able to hold it as long as an adult dog. It's not going to happen. In fact, if you're hoping it's going to hold it two hours in the first couple weeks, probably not if the stomach is, if they've eaten anything, he's not holding it two hours. So just keep all of that in mind. I'd also recommend uh, if you are going to go ahead with this process and and she's on board and all that good stuff go ahead and get a shirt that smell that one that she doesn't value a shirt that smells like her and put it in the crate with the dog so he can sleep with it at night it'll help keep him comfortable helps uh, to adjust him to the crate and all that good stuff so very very important the other thing I want to talk about um, and this is kind of on the tail end of what to do if you're getting a new dog do research on your dog's diet um, we're actually going to have a guest on to discuss, you know, the benefits of raw food diets and things like that, but it isn't for everybody, you know, and I recognize that, but so you need to do research on what you're feeding your dog because what you're feeding your dog now is going to be what you're dealing with later. Um, you know, diet has a great deal to do with their overall health condition and their long-term support biochemically. So you need to make sure that the food that you're feeding them is not just the, uh, old Roy from Walmart. That's not gonna, it's not gonna be the best, uh, selection for your pooch. So do your research. Your dog will be grateful and healthier for it. If you have a question or would like to be on the show, please email me at you at gmail.com. Or as you heard me mention earlier, you can join our Facebook group, which is Dog Guru Hounds. Just give that a search. And then if you would like to donate to the show, you can do so at paypal.me slash your dog guru. I would certainly appreciate it. And so would Baldor. I hope that everybody is having a lovely and safe holiday season. That's it for me today, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Blazing Caribou Studios.